0: This week on Show Me Your News, moving stages, new physics, and AT roster makeup, we cover them all in this week's Rundown. Rumble Falls, the first DK stage to be announced, is going to be similar to Icicle Mountain from Super Smash Bros. Melee. What problems are there with moving stages, and are there any benefits from these kind of levels? The footstool stomp technique, among other minute details, has shown us that there is obviously a new physics engine at work in this game. I'll break down what we've seen so far and what we can hope to see to come in terms of new physics in the Smash World. Knuckle Joe from the Kirby franchise is the next character announced as an assist trophy. Are we starting to see a trend in the makeup of the AT roster? And what can this mean for playable characters in ATs to come? Sariku Uchiha is back this week with a new and improved Who's In? Up for debate regarding who should make it as a playable character is Wolf vs Falco, and King DDD gets his chance to take another look at. This week's Brawl Viewpoint comes to us from Kolbismen, and centers around the infamous third party debate. He'll take a look at both sides of the argument, and then give his opinion. You won't want to miss it. Masahiro Sakurai, I implore you to... SHOW ME A NEWS! This is Show Me Your News, a Super Smash Brothers Brawl Discussion Podcast. All support comes from Smash World Forums at smashboards.com and from the Smash Brothers Blog at www.smashbrawl.com. And now, here's your host, Yoko with Show Me Your News! Hey there, Smashers! Welcome to Show Me Your News, your weekly weekend podcasting source recapping the biggest news in anticipation of Super Smash Bros. Brawl. My name is Yoko, and it's always a pleasure to recap the week that was on the website in this format for you all. Today is July 29th, and we're on week four of this podcast, so we're now starting to get rolling into this being a part of our week-by-week wait until Brawl drops on December 3rd. There's no podcast news this week, so let's dive right into The Rundown. Monday gave Smash fans a first look at Rumble Falls, DK's first, if not only, representative stage, as this one comes from Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. As Sakurai says himself, the screen slowly scrolls upward so if you don't want to get left behind, you'd better get to climbing. This led to groans for some Smash fans, well, okay, myself included, as we were all reminded of Icicle Mountain from Melee, one of the most infamous of moving stages that the Smash Bros. universe will probably ever have. And while the absolutely foolish made conjectures that this stage meant the ice climbers have gotten the boot, the majority of the community pondered if we really needed another moving stage like this. There are obviously clear disadvantages to moving stages like this. One of the first ones that comes to mind for me is the existence of the very poor boundaries on this stage. The side boundaries are typically very short, well not to flat zone-esque proportions, but if you get sent flying to the left or right on vertically scrolling stages, there's generally very little hope in terms of recovery. And while it may be valid to take the no-johns approach here, you have to admit that it's rather frustrating to see the boundary issue managed so well on some stages, and yet be so forgotten on others. Another disadvantage that these kind of stages exhibit is an excess of platforms. One look at Rumble Falls and that was the first thing that came to mind. There are so many platforms. Forget the tri-platform setup that we're used to, it's almost like the level designer was trying to make aerials harder to pull off than usual. Either that or he sneezed or something, causing the platform surplus to explode on this level. I don't know, that didn't make any sense, but if you have any better explanation of why this stage has an ungodly number of platforms, I'd love to hear it. Some of the platforms aren't even platforms to begin with anyway. Did you even notice the two cliché bird-shaped platforms? Talk about strange. While I'm talking about platforms, I have to renege a statement that I made in the first episode of the podcast. With Skyworld premiering on Wednesday, or Angel Land as it's known then, I figured that the stage would be legal, but you know, after seeing the ridiculous platform that was placed below the main platform on the right side of the stage, the legality possibility has to be called into question. There could be some dangerous camping going on there, and plus it's also probably going to be way too easy to grab on it for recovery when it shouldn't be used that way at all. But with that off my chest, I'll keep going. The final disadvantage that bothers me about moving stages is the inconsistencies that exist in the layout. This is going to be very evident in the Rumble Falls screenshots. I mean, one moment we're going to be battling on a platform minefield, and later we're going to be duking out on a small airplane of all things. Like most matches, I'd prefer to have my stage remain constant so I can focus on my opponent's strategies and not have to worry about the stages inconsistencies. Like why is there a water-filled platform on Rumble Falls? However, on the other side of the coin, there are some advantages that moving stages have compared to their stationary counterparts. The moving nature of the stage is usually for a reason, and in Rumble Falls' case it's to focus on the aesthetics in the background. The waterfall's a very nice touch, and as we move it'll probably truly feel like we're actually moving about DK's world. Also for the non-tournament players, well not saying that I am a tournament player based on my opinion, but still, it's definitely a different skill to use the moving stage to your advantage. A quirky skill nonetheless, but there are still those who can certainly excel at it. To conclude the topic, you're probably wondering what I think's at the top, right? For all I know, it could be a live performance of the DK rep by the DK crew. In fact, that'd be awesome. Probably better than whatever it'll be anyway. Regardless, your guess is as good as mine on this one. The how to play website updates are so fascinating in my opinion, well that is if they explain a new mechanic of this game. Thursday did just that with the footstool stomp update. Simply, we'll be able to jump off our opponents as if they are springs on the ground, and we'll be able to send them downwards with a meteor spike in the air. I really like the meteor aspect of this update. Now characters like Fox and any other character who has a drill down aerial can send their opponents plummeting to their demise with a proper interception. However, this kind of update only further elaborates the fact that we are sure to experience a new era of Smash Bros, one with a revamped physics engine. The footstool stomp is prime evidence of this indication. The fact that characters will be able to interact with each other, aside from the colliding hitboxes aspect of the game, is rather remarkable. It's very likely, as most people have deduced, that the screenshot with Yoshi and Donkey Kong on Yoshi's long-awaited Tuesday character update is an example of Yoshi using DK as a spring using the footstool stomp technique. However, I'm almost inclined to wonder if this will be too hard to pull off or get used to. It totally goes against the thinking that most smashers have with intercepting with a down aerial. I'm sure with practice, though, we'll all get used to the new footstool stomp, but for now, it almost seems strange in theory, especially when we're comparing this game to an outdated melee physics engine. Two other screenshots so far have led us to believe that there is a new engine at work. The first is the ever adorable Pikachu on a box shot, I'll tell you, this one never gets old. So now we know that not only can characters interact physically with other characters, they can also do the same with items as well. Another one that we can cite just came to us this week in Rumble Falls. With Mario climbing a ladder, we can also assume that there's certain specific stage-related structures that characters can somehow interact directly with. These screenshots hinting at a new physics engine are really an extremely welcome change of pace. It's good to know that we won't have a game where characters can pass through each other as they move, because that's always been a big gripe of mine, really in any game I play. So what would be an ideal hope for other implementations of this new physics engine? Well many would say that ideally, if as long as wavedashing returned, that would make the entire game for them. While I do like the concept of wavedashing, and actually can do so myself, it really isn't the make or break factor for this game, in my opinion. For me, expanding on the footstool jump idea, it would be fantastically realistic if the reactions for the jump were proportional to the character's body weights. For example, you could hope to see that if Pikachu springs off of Bowser, he travels a good distance. On the other hand, switch the roles, and Bowser shouldn't go f- so far, while Pikachu is done for a few moments. There are so many little touches that could be implemented that would make this game ideally and physically perfect. We can only hope that Sakurai and his team have had enough time to be able to implement all these ideas that they have without ruining the overall finish of this game. The assist trophy part of the game is only a few weeks old now, and slowly and surely we're getting more characters out of that list. On Friday, Knuckle Joe from the Kirby series became announced as an AT. Now, you have to have actually played the Kirby games to know who this guy really is, which sadly, I have not at all. But fear not, at least I'm not naive enough to say that I don't know who King Dedede is anyway. The point is, we've seen several of the Will be Assist trophies now. Nintendog, Hammer Brothers, Samurai Goro, Dr. Wright, and now Knuckle Joe are the characters officially announced to be slotted as ATs. Looking at how their attacks will affect the other players, Knuckle Joe's moves are clearly far more devastating compared to any of the other characters so far. The fact that he even has two finishing attacks is something that we haven't seen out of any of the other characters so far. Sure, his Vulcan jab is similar to Goro's attack, just a constant barrage of hits, but the smash punch and the rising break are moves that you do not want to be in the middle of it seems. Hopefully, these won't be too powerful though. Unbalanced ATs, when compared to the playable characters, would be terrible for this game and would be all the more reason to turn these items off during competitive play. However, we need to slowly start looking in retrospect to analyze what the Assist Trophy roster makeup is really going to be comprised of. We can easily divide up the AT divisions into three parts. The first of these is the lacking franchise character. The Nintendog and Dr. Wright are prime examples of these, they're the central characters of their respective games, but they would have no foundation whatsoever as a primary character in the Smash Bros. world. Now this might not make a lot of you happy, but I think it's very possible that we could see Captain Olimar from the Pikmin series fall in this kind of category. Sure he is one of Miyamoto's most recent creations, but he in essence has a lot of ties to Dr. Wright. While Wright could pull skyscrapers from out of nowhere, Olimar can obviously do the same with Pikmin, and at the same time, both are not built for fighting, using something else to beat up others for them. Yes, Olimar would be a nice playable character addition, I totally agree with that, but based on trends so far, his chances are slowly becoming in doubt. A second possible division of the roster makeup is the generic enemy. This would be where we would place the Hammer Brothers in, because we really haven't seen any other examples of characters that would fit in this category. However, if Sakurai were to put in, say, some Metroids in the AT mix that leech life on your opponents, then that would definitely qualify as the generic enemy. The possibilities are certainly there, that's for sure. The final such category would be the minor character. I think Little Karibo puts it best in his Tristan Taylor character. I don't know about you two, but I'm not happy being just a minor character. It's time we took matters into our own hands and made a name for ourselves as main characters. This is where Samurai Goro and Knuckle Joe come in. They're just sick of Captain Falcon and Kirby taking center stage, and they're going to be taking a back seat in this game as well. This is probably where a majority of the AT characters will fall in my opinion. They would be good additions otherwise, but their franchise will already have enough representatives, so it's best just to end up as an AT. These kind of divisions would leave out one set of characters though, the kind that have pretty much every reason to be a playable character in Brawl. For example, Ridley is just too popular to be placed in the AT category with these runners up, so to speak. Also, the Donkey Kong franchise is starving for another edition, so putting Diddy Kong as an assist trophy would be an absolute slap in the face to DK fans everywhere, and would be basically a mistake on every level. It certainly will be interesting to see how the assist trophy situation develops, and all we can do right now is theorize as it progresses. The Rundown is now complete, and that means it's time for the second week of... Who's In? Sariku Uchiha is back once again to give his next take on Who's In? And now for a Wolf Falco debate, along with DDD Revisited, here's Sariku.
1: Who's In? Your bi-weekly brawl character speculation section devoted solely to veteran fighters and newcomers alike. Will your brawl hope we'll make it in? Find my opinions here. Hey, sorry Q again. Wanna say sorry for the switch to bi-weekly. I'm having problems on my end, but enough of that. This week, Falco and Wolf were up in Who's In's first head-to-head challenge. Will Falco return to Smash, or will Wolf take his place? And to finish it up, King DDD returns for another try at Smash. Will his review be changed, or still no chance, like last time? My revised opinion here. So, first up is the head-to-head challenge. Falco Lombardi and Wolf O'Donnell played tug-of-war for a chance to brawl. First up is Falco. He first appeared in the Star Fox series, but also showed up in Super Smash Bros. Melee as a hidden character, and of course, he was a Fox clone. Sakurai stated he wanted to get rid of the clones, or change them up some. But with Falco's major fan base, it would be foolish to get rid of him. I see a moveset change to be the best choice, but for possible moves, you can decide that. Now as for Wolf, I personally think he would be an awesome addition to the brawl playable roster, mostly due to the fact that Sakurai stated he wants more villains in Smash. Wolf is an almost perfect choice. Wolf made his first major appearance in Star Fox 64, but as the series changed from a shooter to an action game, Wolf changed along with it. He seems to have a softer, less vengeful personality. But if he appeared in Brawl, I say use the Star Fox 64 personality with a Brawl-made appearance. The only thing I see possibly hurting Wolf's chances is a lack of a unique move set. He and his team was originally made as a fox clone since Star Fox 64. But as I said with Falco, it wouldn't be too hard to make up a moveset. References can be found in the latest GameCube Star Fox games. To finish this challenge, I really can't say one would be a better choice over another, as they both have a fairly equal chance. I can assure you though, one of them will most likely be in, but as for which one, I can't say. And to round up the week, we got the re-review for a previous character that I got many questions about. This is King DDD. Last episode, I said he has a mediocre chance of getting in. So after some deep thought, I came up with a final decision. King DDD is a continually returning enemy and boss in the Kirby franchise. He usually appears in the first few stages, and is almost always defeated the same way every time. After he is defeated, Kirby can eat him and receive the hammer ability. King DDD can do continual jumps and suck in air just as Kirby can, but he hasn't always been able to do this. On his Melee trophy, it says that it took him a long time to learn these special techniques, which means he can have a vast moveset then, right, right? My answer is that yes, it does mean he could use multiple moves of other characters but I don't see that happening. Yes, he could still use his hammer, float, and sucking air abilities, but I see him as a Bowser-Kirby character. He could use many physical attacks as Bowser, but also the floatiness of Kirby. This would make him have strong physical attacks, but a light frame, meaning he's easy to knock out. On a last note, King DDD is rumored to supposed to have been in the original Smash Bros. Putting my last review aside, I now say that he does have a pretty good chance of entering Brawl, a very good chance if the rumor is true. Final say, don't be too surprised if he does become playable. And that's it for this episode. I think it was better than last week's. (laughs) But that aside, tell me what you think. You can either PM me, Sariku Yujiha, or post in the Show Me Your News discussion thread. All suggestions and feedback is welcome, as I know I'm not the best. Also, loved the Pokémon Stadium surprise last week, and here's hoping for more to come. Thanks, Sarikoo! Great
0: job! That was much improved from two weeks ago. Alright, now it's time to get ready for this week's...
1: Brawl
0: Viewpoint! This week's Brawl Viewpoint comes to us from Kolbisman. Ever since the first trailer of Brawl with the unveiling of Snake, the third-party debate has really accelerated and one of the primary focuses of this game in terms of character inclusion. So now, I'm going to read for you all the interesting analysis that Kolbisman himself sent me. Enjoy. Hey everyone, this is Kolbisman of Smash World Forums, voicing something that's been on our boards since May of 2006. There has been one debate that Smashers have been debating ever since the first trailer was unveiled at E3 2006. That's the inclusion of third-party characters to Nintendo's All-Star Bash. Even today I still see it among our board's members. But is it really a good thing? For the sake of not pissing anyone off, I'll take both sides of the argument and then break down the pros and cons of each side, then voice my opinion on the subject. Side 1. Smash Bros. has always been Nintendo's All-Star Bash. With third-party characters, this breaks the law we've been familiar with since the original on the 64. So why break this law now? Why can't we have the familiarity we've always known? With the inclusion of third-party characters, some cons arise with character selection. Suppose one character favored within the Nintendo-only community can't make it in because characters like Sonic, Snake, Geno, Mega Man, etc. steal the spotlight. Nintendo's own characters are being pushed aside while the blue blur has to make it in. So why change that, when it's already been so good? Side 2 Smash Bros has always been known as bringing the best of the best and seeing who's the top dog among the elite. With Snake being the first third party to join the roster, we know that Brawl will still hold true to the formula. With Snake's inclusion, we not only get one of the best characters in the video game world, but one of the best designers as well. Yes, we probably know by now that Hideo Kojima is the reason why Snake is in, practically begging Sakurai to put him in melee but Kojima is also designing Snake's stage and Final Smash. So Smash is still getting the best of the best in both worlds. Plus, questions that have plagued our minds since the rivalry of video games started could be answered. Can Snake, someone as hardcore as he is, live in the world of cute Pokemon like Pikachu? Who has the bigger guns, Samus or Mega Man? And we can finally know who kicks more butt, Mario or Sonic. Not only that, but it just shows how dedicated third parties will be with Nintendo and their consoles something sorely lacking since the SNES era. My opinion? Frankly, I love the fact that Smash is getting the best of the best. It shows just how much Nintendo is dominating the market right now. It's like going up to Sony and Microsoft, looking them straight in the eye and telling them, hey, not only do we get the best of our characters in this game, we get the best of other people's characters in the game as well. As stated earlier, one con of having third party characters in is the lack of a few Nintendo characters that should deserve a spot. I wouldn't worry, actually, because we know the roster is going to be big, somewhere around 35 to 45 big. And with the inclusion of assist trophies, you still have a chance of seeing your favorite character in the game. The inclusion of third party characters could still be debated after Brawl's release. We don't know the tier list, that is, if there is one, at this point. So they could end up being really horrible fighters. But if that means helping Nintendo win back the market with third party support and bringing in characters like Snake and Sonic in the game, I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Thanks all for listening to my ideas on the subject. Hopefully in the future I can provide more opinions on our favorite upcoming game, Super Smash Bros. Brawl, on this podcast. I'd also like to thank Yoko for letting me on the podcast, and for making it a fun experience. See you later on the boards. Very well done, Colbusman. Now that's an organized discussion for you. That wraps up this week's
1: Brawl Viewpoint.
0: Would you like to hear your brawl opinions and views played here on Show Me Your News? Send a WAVE, MP3, or a WMA file with you discussing a topic of your choosing to dojopodcast at gmail.com. That's D-O-J-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And you may hear your voice and Rant featured and heard as the next brawl viewpoint. You may also get your views heard by sending your discussion in text format to dojopodcast at gmail.com to have Yoko read your opinions on the air. Suggested length for discussion is roughly 1.5 to 2 pages in length, single-spaced. Submissions will be taken through the Friday before the episodes premiere. Well, that's going to do it here for Show Me Your News. I'd like to personally thank Kolbusman for sending in his brawl viewpoint, and here's hoping you can send yours in too. My name is Yoko, and you can either post in the Show Me Your News topic in general brawl discussion, private message me, or email me at dojopodcast at gmail.com for feedback and suggestions for next time. Next week, like every week, I'll go over the week that was on SmashBros.com. Hopefully you'll get some brand new, juicy information. Maybe something that'll elaborate more on last week's This World Update. Hey, with that, I'm Yoko, and I'm out. This has been Show Me Your News, your weekly weekend podcasting source recapping the biggest news in anticipation of Super Smash Bros. Brawl. All support comes from Smash World forums at SmashBros.com from the Smash Brothers blog at www.smashbrawl.com. This week's shout-out goes to everyone who's been posting on the forum thread. The support for this is more than I could have hoped for. Please keep it up for community's sake. Thanks, guys. Show me your news. Encore, 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 please, please, Encore! Please, 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 please. Very well, ladies and gentlemen, since you all enjoyed Pokemon Stadium so much last week, the Yoko Barbershop Quartet gives you Fountain of Dreams. <laughs> 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 bum, bum pom bump the bump the Bald and bom and 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 Bald and and and
1: See, Schmeck, see, Schmeck,